True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks again for joining us for our next lesson in our series on the book of Ephesians. Today we're going to be going through Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 through 28. And we're going to be seeing the character of the new man that we talked about last week. We're going to see three things today that Paul says we can do to look like the new man. These things are very practical as is the rest of Ephesians chapter 4. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to try and keep this lesson to not 45 minutes today. So we'll see. We're only going to go over three verses. If you guys remember from last week, uh, we talked about the old man and the new man. And Paul talked about a lot about what the old man looks like and how we shouldn't look like that as believers. Okay, and then he gets into for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight verses what the new man looks like. We're going to talk about three of those things, and I think it's four verses, but three things uh, today about what that new man looks like um, and how we can live like that. So I'm going to read verses 25 through 28, uh, and then we will pray and we'll get going. It says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give opportunity for the devil, or devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who need, is in need. Let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you, and thank you for this day that you've given to us. Um, thank you for all you've done for us. I just pray that as we go through this and we look at the scripture that uh, you'd encourage or convict us as needed, God. Um, we do love you and pray that everything we do would glorify and honor you. Um, we pray all these things through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like I said, today Paul continues talking about the new man. What does that new man look like? Okay, so this is super practical, which means we can, it's very easy to like do it, okay, because all of us can do these things. And then Paul says, this is what the new man looks like. Remember um, uh, what Brent brought up last week, okay, with motivation and walking in the Holy Spirit is what we were talking about. But he talked about a little bit about motivation, okay? So we need to have the right motivation when we're doing these things. And Paul actually talks a little bit about motivation uh, in verse 28, which we'll look at at the end. But we need to do these things with the right motivation and the right heart. And so, like, one thing that I think about with motivation uh, is that... What's up, Satan? One thing I think about with motivation is a long time ago, uh, my dad and my mom challenged me, really my dad challenged me to do a Bible read. And I was, I was maybe younger than all, are, is any of you 10? Any? 10. You're 10? Okay, so we have a couple 10. So I was about 10, I think, um, is how I was. And he said, hey, read the Bible in a year and I'll give you 100 bucks, okay? And back in my day, 100 bucks was a lot of money, okay? So it was a lot of money. And so I was like, dude, I want to read the Bible. And so I started reading, I don't remember how far I got, and I started feeling bad because uh, I, I felt like I was doing it for the wrong reason. I felt like I was doing it for the money instead of, uh, you know, because I wanted to please God. And so I went and talked to my dad. I was like, Dad, I don't want to do this anymore because I'm doing it for the wrong reason. I still want to read my Bible, but I don't want to do it for the money. I don't want you to pay me. And the reason I should is because even as a 10-year-old uh, or even younger, we know that there's correct motivation and incorrect motivation. And so as we look at these things, because we're going to be in this for a couple weeks, we want to make sure that we're doing these things for the right motivation. We want to make sure uh, that we're 
living for God for the right motivation. Paul in Philippians, okay, look at this. He says, some, even because of envy and strife, preach Christ, but some also because of goodwill. The latter do so of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ from selfish ambition, not uh, sincerely, thinking to raise up affliction in my imprisonment. So the reason I bring this up is Paul talks about people that are actually sharing the gospel and they're believers, and they're sharing the gospel but doing it for the wrong reason. Okay, now they're still sharing the gospel, and later on he says, who cares, just so long as Christ is preached. So for the people that are being preached to, it's still good news of Christ, right? They're still preaching the gospel. But for these people, uh, you know, they're not earning rewards. Uh, it's not, um, it's kind of like what we talked about last week a little bit in that regard, of empty or vain uh, in, in some ways. And so we want to make sure that we're doing these things uh, for the right motivation uh, as we look at them. So what are these things? We're going to look at three of them. Uh, we want to do these things so we please God, not man. Uh, and let's dive into it. Let's look at it. The first one is verse 25. It's lying. Okay, and it's, or it's the lie. We're going to look at it, but it's uh, the lie. It's verse 25. Uh, you can write down lying if you want to on your thing. Look at it again. It says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, what's the truth? Who remembers? Who is the truth? Jesus, right? Classic Sunday school answer. Jesus is the truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to Father but by me. What is the truth? The word. the word, right? Your word is truth. Uh, so he says here we need to speak truth to one another. But before that, he says, let's lay aside falsehood. So put away the lie. And here's the deal. In the Greek, okay, it doesn't say stop lying. And it doesn't say put away all those lies. Or put away, it really doesn't, it doesn't really say lay aside falsehoods. It's not plural, it's singular. And there's like a V in front of it like an article, right? So it says, the lie. It says, put away the lie, is what it says. Or, you know what I mean? It says, cast away or throw off the lie. So, what's the lie? Because I was looking at this, and usually when I read this, I'm like, oh, we got to stop lying, start telling the truth. You know, because that's what, it, I mean, that's how it reads, that's what it looks like, uh, which is true, but it says, put away the lie, Okay, and speak each uh, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor. So tell each other the truth. So stop uh, the lie and start telling the truth. So what's the lie? That's the question. What's the lie? I think it goes back to what we were talking about last week, and it goes back to Romans. Okay, this is Romans. Okay, I know this is a huge, you know, the words are really small. It's a lot of scripture, but I think it's really important and relevant to what Paul is talking about because he just got talk- done talking about the old man, the old self. Okay. And look at it, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all uh, impurity, uh, unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth. We talked about that last week in unrighteousness because what can be known about God is evident to them. Again, we talked about that last week. They're suppressing the truth, what they know about Him, what they know. For God made it clear to them from the creation of the world and from His invisible attributes, both His eternal power and His deity, are discerned clearly, being understood, these things created so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, okay, although they knew Him, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks, but became futile. Remember we talked about yesterday, or yesterday, last week. Futile in their reasoning, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Again, you guys hear this same verb was about last week? Okay, look at... Uh, or if you're still in your Bibles, look at Ephesians. Go back to verse like um, 
19, 18. Look at verse 18, or the end of 17 and 18. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk in futility of your mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. Okay, this is the same verbiage here. This is the same writer, Paul, right? He's using the same verbiage here. Okay, so back here in Romans. And their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an immortal God with the likeness of an image of mortal humans, being birds, um, and all that stuff. And he says, therefore God gave them over the desires of the hearts. Uh, and then look at this. It says, who, and this is in the yellow, who exchanged the truth of God with a lie. They exchanged the truth of God with a lie. Okay? And I think that this is the lie. The lie, big lie, okay? God is not. Right? God is not. There is no God. I think that would be the lie, okay, that stems the way the old man lives. Okay? So think about it like this. Even in your life, okay, how many of you guys think God exists? All of us, right? All of us think God exists. Okay? And He does. Okay? But when I sin or something like that, it's almost like I'm making God not exist. Right? Or not who He is. He's not real. He's not who He says He is. He's not um, all-powerful. He's not actually God. Because really, you're making yourself out to be God when you're sinning. Right? When I sin, when I do something, and I say, hey, I'm doing this. This is my sin. Then I'm saying, I know what's right. God doesn't. Right? I mean, we're making... So the, the boiled-down truth and lie that we're talking about, I think, is that... Either there is no God or God's not who He says He is. Not, not God. No God. This is how you can put it, right? There is no God. So, back to verse 25. He says, Therefore, put aside or lay aside the lie. The falsehood. The lie. What is the lie? The lie is our culture and our world's perspective. It's that there is no God. Okay? Because a lot of times we live like that. Okay? We live like there's, there's not a God. Right? Even though we know there is and we believe there is. I go out and I sin and I do stuff like there is no God. Okay, I go out and do stuff like God doesn't care if I sin or not. Well, we know He is. We know He does. But we do it anyway. So we live like there's a lie. Okay, so I think that's what he's talking about when he says the lie. The lie. So put away that. Put away that kind of thinking. Put away that lie in your minds. Okay, put away our culture and our worldview and what they say and put on the worldview, eternal perspective of who God is, really. Okay, and then he says, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor okay what does this mean okay what does this mean what does it look like it sounds like you're supposed to tell the truth to others it is okay we are supposed to tell the truth and that's exactly right and in the body of christ we're to be unified we've been talking about that this is part of that unity we need to encourage one another with truth okay we need to encourage one another with truth what does this look like we know who the truth is. We know what the truth is. Truth is Jesus Christ. The truth is His Word. So we need to speak this truth into each other's lives. Okay. Now this doesn't just mean, I don't think, that when we see someone going off the deep end, we go find them and tell them the truth. I mean, yes, that's true. But I think that should be verbiage in our everyday life. Okay. Because think about it. The things we say come from where? The heart, right? Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Okay, And so if we're continually being influenced by the world, and if we're continually being around the world in a negative sense, okay, meaning like we're being influenced by them, what's going to come out of our mouth? The world. The lie. Yeah, the lie. 
the lie is going to come out. And it, you're, not going to, you're probably not going to be like, hey, God's not real. Like, that's not how it's going to come out. Okay, it's going to come out in other subtle ways to where you're not speaking the truth, you're speaking the lie. It's just like Peter we talked about last week, right? The lie came out in his life. Okay, and it, looked, it didn't look like the lie. Okay, you say, hey, Jesus, I don't want you to die. Like, that doesn't look like the lie. Okay, it looks like the truth, but it's the lie, yeah. Like you say it in a way to make it sound like it's okay. You sugarcoat yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. What? Yeah, you sugarcoat it, okay? Uh, you make it sound good. So um, he says, rather than doing that, we need to speak the truth, okay? We need to speak Jesus, the truth, the way, the truth, the life, okay? We need to speak the truth in love uh, to one another, uh, which he just talked about earlier too, okay? And then look at the end of verse 25. It says, for, okay, because we are members of one another, okay? He's talking about, this is how we know he's talking about the church right here. He's talking about that us as a church should speak, be speaking the truth to one another, encouraging one another, building each other up as a body. Okay, he's still talking about the church here. So when he's saying lay aside that falsehood, that, that lie that comes from the old man and put on the truth towards one another, that's talking about the body. Uh, so we should be doing that with one another. So that's the lie. Um, one more note I would say on that. This thing doesn't say uh, be silent so people like you. It says, speak the truth. Okay, It doesn't say, be silent so people like you, which is what we tend to do. It say, well, you know, I know what they're thinking and what they're doing is wrong, but nah, it's not that. I always speak the truth, so everyone on my soul loves you. That's good, but you need to do it in love, too, right? I do. I'm when like, you do it in love, that's like, good. I talk about God a lot, so like there are several people in my class who hate me, and they're like, oh. <laughs> Well, that's, that's okay. Okay, we speak the truth, and we speak it in love. Okay, so the two ways that we can do the two extremes are you don't speak the truth because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and you don't want to look bad. Okay, so you don't say anything or you speak the truth and you do it in a blunt way that makes everybody mad. Okay, and the truth may make somebody mad anyway. Okay, it, it may. But you need to do it in love, especially when we're talking about in the body. Okay, in the body, hopefully, which it doesn't always happen like this, but hopefully you speak the truth to somebody in love. Like I speak the truth to Brent or Brent comes to me and says, hey, Hunter, this and this and this. Hopefully, if I'm trying to live, please God and everything, I'm going to be like, ah, you're right, Brent. You know, it doesn't always happen like that. But, you know, that would be the, the, the perfect way, the perfect world, right? Okay, so speak the truth, okay? The second thing, anger. He goes and he talks about anger, okay? Look at verse 26 and 27. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give a, the devil an opportunity, okay? So Paul says, uh, not to sin in anger anymore. Okay, he doesn't say. Okay, is sin always wrong? I mean, yes, yes, sin is always wrong. Correct, right? Now, now, is anger always sin? No, no, it's not. Right? Jesus got angry. God's got angry. Okay, there's a righteous anger. Uh, here's what James. Okay, I love James because uh, he just he knows human heart, right? Uh, so this is James nineteen uh, one nineteen twenty. It says, understand this, my beloved brothers. Every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger, or the anger of man, doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God. He's saying our tendency in anger is the sinful kind. Right? And he says, so be careful about getting angry. He doesn't say never get angry. He says be slow to anger. And is, who else is slow to anger, by the way? Jesus. God. 
Okay. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. You should read the whole Old Testament and see how many times it says that. Okay, he's slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. And so we need to be slow to anger. And I think that's what Paul's getting at too here in verse 26. He says, be angry, but don't sin. Okay, so be slow to anger. Be angry, don't sin. You can be angry in the right way, and you should. But don't sin uh, in doing that. Don't have that wrong kind of anger. And then don't let the sun uh, go down upon your anger. Okay, um, quick example about anger really quick before we talk about the sun going down and giving the devil an opportunity. Uh, I... You guys have ever heard me play uh, talk about dunk ball? Yeah. No? Okay, so dunk ball is this game that we made up, me and my family, and we so we lower our goal to eight foot. And it's basically like no fouls. You can goaltend, but like not through the the hoop. Just like you can dig it out of the hoop, but you can't go through the hoop uh, to goaltend. And so it's a very physical, like football, basketball type game. And it's really, really fun. I love it. Um, it's it's probably the most fun game I've ever played. Okay. You play, play sometimes. No, it wouldn't work. Okay, so I love playing this game, but one thing about me is I hate when I feel cheated. Okay, or when I feel like people aren't, you know, using the rules in the right way or changing the rules. Okay, it just really bugs me a lot. And so, a no foul game. Okay, there's a lot of uh, variable right there. Okay, because I mean, you can call a foul, but like it's going to be like you shoved me in the air and I could have got hurt, right? And so it's like this kind of eh. So I'd get angry, like really angry, a lot. Uh, and there's times I got so angry, uh, a couple of the times, well, there's a lot of times. One of them, I body slammed my little cousin. Okay, um, he, was, he was cheating for sure. But anyway, yeah, you know, he was, he was doing something dumb. And, and he, he chucked the ball at me because I was yelling at him. So I just picked him up and threw him on. He was a little guy. He was my age. He was my age. Okay. But he was just shorter, you know, and I was taller. So I picked him up and threw him on the ground. On the concrete? No, it was on the grass. It was on the grass. Uh, there was other, several, several other times when I did mean things. We'll just leave it at that to people on the dunk ball court. Um, and I was not slow to anger. And uh, for you guys, there's probably things in your life. That, like, for me, it's like when I feel like I'm being cheated, right? But there's probably things in your life that's like, man, that triggers me. When people really don't try at school, it's like, excuse me? Yeah. You're kay. asking me for the answers. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that trigger us, right? And there's some things that really, I mean, make you mad. And so those things are the things that don't lead to the righteousness of God, right? Now, if I'm angry about some sin, some if I get angry about a sin, you know, and Whatever, that's fine, but that kind of anger, that dunk ball anger, that's not, that's not leading me to righteousness. Okay, and so we want to make sure that when we when we are angry, it's angry in the right way. And then he says, "Don't let your son, your son, the son, go down go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity." So, what is this talking about? Okay, sun goes down, we go to bed, right? It's talking about not going to bed angry, and here's why. Okay, if you go to bed angry, you wake up angry. Yeah, yeah, you go to bed angry, you wake up angry. You go to bed angry, you're thinking about it, right? All night. And so what happens is it plants this seed of... Anger. Well, anger, but really hate, okay? Uh, bitterness, okay? And I think that that's what he's talking about when he says don't give the devil an opportunity because bitterness uh, is basically like long-term anger, long anger, right? And so you have this bitterness. The devil can use that in your life 
constantly against you and against the people that you're angry with, right? So if I let this anger continue, then that means the devil can use that in my life against me and against my fellow um, member, right? Because that relationship starts, me and Brent start you know, hating each other, or I start hating Brent, or whatever. And hate destroys myself, right? So the devil can use that to destroy me. So it's, it's giving the devil an opportunity to destroy relationships within the body. Okay? And so if you don't let the sun go down on your anger, that means you take care of anger that day. You take care of the anger, and it's gone. Right? But when that anger continues, and continues, and continues, it, it drives bitterness, and hatred, and these things that the devil and our flesh and our world can use. Okay, um, I've seen uh, a lot of times when you can you can look back and you say, uh, "There's this person in my life that they like egg you on, you know," and they can say they like you're like, "Hey, I uh, my my buddy, he's so mean," and then my other buddy's like, "Yeah, he is. He's a jerk, right?" You know, have you ever had somebody like that? They kind of like you know egged you on whenever you're talking bad about somebody or thinking in a bad way. Okay, well, that's what the devil does with anger, right? I'm like, man, Brent's such a jerk. He just is so mean. The devil, what does the devil say? Does he say, no, 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 Brent is just such a nice person. No, the devil's like, yeah, you're right. You know what he did? He wore the same shirt you did, and he probably did that on purpose. Okay, he probably did that on purpose. So, you know, he's he's a real bad dude, honey. You know, and so... The devil eggs it on. He like he pushes it and pushes it and creates this bitterness and this hatred. And so, if we want to live like the new man, we get rid of that anger. We take care of it. Does that make sense to everybody? So take care of that anger. Yeah. You can come back to this later if you want, so you can get through this point. But um, would you give some specifics of like how would you say people would take care of their anger? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about it. Okay. So for me, okay, because I I I know you guys may not see me as an angry person right now. Okay, but that's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. That's because of the work of God. Okay, I used to be a very angry person. Okay, I played basketball, not just dunk ball. And, I mean, I got technical fouls. I got all kinds of stuff, okay? I was, I was an angry, angry person. Okay, so there's a couple things that we need to talk about. One thing, well, first we'll talk about on the front end. Okay, so when dealing with the anger the front end, you need to be determined in your mind uh, not to get angry. So, for me, what that looked like, okay, is I said, when I go play dunk ball, I would say, okay, hey, truthfully, does it matter if they cheat? No, it doesn't. And it's not that big of a deal. And I had to look at that perspective and use that perspective. And really, what I'm saying there is that person is more important than the game, okay, which is what it boiled down for me, right? Uh, so in my mind, I, that's the way I organized it. I'd say, hey, it doesn't matter if they cheat, right? Because that person's more important. Okay, that's the truth of God's word. So I had to predetermine in my mind to use that truth, so that way when the time came for me to get angry, I wouldn't get angry. Okay, and then if you do get angry with that person, how do you take care of that? Well, you need to go to that person, maybe. Okay, um, if, especially if you like displayed anger like me, right? So like I just they obviously knew I was angry. When, my my cousin knew I was angry when I body signed him, right? So I had to take care of that by apologizing to him, uh, apologizing to everybody on the court. And that kind of thing. So we need to go to them in that way. Uh, but also, uh, you got to look at the good things in people's life. Okay, so like, for example, me and Brent. Okay, 
I really hate that he always wears the same shirt as me, right? It just really makes me mad, okay? But if I look at Brent and I say, hey, here's, here's some really good things about Brent, okay? I see him as a great example to me. I see as a as a father, I look at him and I'm like, man, what a great father and example. I see him as a friend to me, uh, loving me, uh, showing hospitality to me. And I can see all these things and it's like, you know what? Brent is a really good guy. And see, that now that anger, it's going to be hard to go towards him. And we can let kind of that love cover that offense. And the third thing you could do, okay, is you could just look at your own life and then look at Christ's life and say, look at how much he forgave me of. Because really, when you're dealing with anger towards a person, it, it, you're struggling to forgive them. Okay? I mean, that's what you're dealing with. If you're like, if I'm mad at Brent, and I'm angry with Brent and that person, that bitterness, that hatred, I'm not forgiving him, right? That's what it boils down to. And so we got to forgive him. I don't know. Does that kind of answer the question, Maureen? Yeah. Do you have anything else? Um, no, I liked your determined beforehand because that's like you setting up expectations. Like you're preparing your expectations, like removing ones you had previously to. And I think, too, sometimes when I've dealt with anger, too, it's just like, I just ask the Lord, like, Lord, I'm really angry. Will you help me? Mm. You know, not be angry. I think that's something. But those are... No, that's really I good. I like your expectation. Would any of you think that Lori would ever get angry? Other than her yeah. children? Yes. Uh, other than her children? I mean, no, you wouldn't, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bad question to ask when most of your family is in here. Bad question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So, anger, big deal, predetermined. A lot of things in our Christian life, man, it's going to boil down to predetermining your mind. Okay? Um, it will. Uh, just a side note. Okay, last thing. Oh, man, I, I didn't even use that. Okay. Oh, that's all right. We'll just move on. Okay, the last thing, work ethic. Work ethic. This is verse 28, and I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses because Paul here says, don't do this, do this, and here's why you do this. Okay, it's so clean cut, and I love it, and it goes so countercultural to what everything, okay, that we, we hear. Okay, verse 28, he says, He who steals must steal no longer. Okay, there's the first one, right? He who steals, steal no longer. Do I need to explain that? Or is that pretty simple? Okay, stop stealing stuff, okay? So all of you guys, stop stealing stuff, okay? All right, and then he says, But rather... He, the one who was was stealing, must labor. Okay, what's labor mean? Work. 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 Yeah, whatever, Latin. Okay, performing with his own hands uh, what is good. Okay, so you work with your hands. You're doing work, right? Why? So that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Okay, now here's the deal. You guys remember in Acts? When the church was just getting started, and you guys remember Ananias and Sapphira? How they like sold their house, and they said they sold it for less than they did, and they got killed and all that. Well, during that whole time period, the whole thing, that church in that area, okay, there were people who needed stuff. Okay, so everybody starts selling their houses, the ones that like were rich, were rich enough to have houses. They sold their houses so that everyone, uh, everyone's needs could be filled. Okay, it wasn't like equality. They didn't like put the money in a pool and just everybody got the same amount. Those people were selling those houses because there were other people in the body that needed money, like needed food and clothing and shelter. And so they'd sell their houses so that they'd have the money to be able to give those people because they didn't have houses and money, right? And so they uh, did that. And so 
That's what I think of when I think of this. He says, you got to stop stealing. You start working. And why should you work? So you have something to share uh, with the one in need. Uh, so work hard so you can share. And uh, it's something that not a lot of people, well, not a lot of people like doing any of this. Okay, Valley, I work for this company called Valley Living. Okay, you take out trash. Okay, so it's kind of stinky sometimes. Uh, and some of the complexes that we work at are like physically kind of hard to do because there's stairs and stuff. Uh, but my company has a really hard time finding people to do that work. Okay, a really hard time. You know why? Because people just don't want to work anymore. People don't want to work anymore as ever. Nobody's ever wanted to work, right? Uh, we've never wanted to work. We, as humans, we don't like working. Right? Okay, especially when somebody tells us that we have to work, right? We don't like working. And so uh, the, the, the reason they have such a hard time finding it is because our culture doesn't, our culture is changing, okay, to where they want, everybody wants to be dependent on other people. But it's always been like that. Like, like a hamster is completely dependent on its owner, right? You all, we all want to not work, okay? And so, we don't want to work. So he says we need to work. We need to labor. Okay, that's hard. Performing what's good with your own hands. But the people that do work in our culture, why do they work? Usually, it's not so that they can give to other people. Okay? It's to, it's to become rich. Or okay? to have stuff. Okay, to provide. Is that a good one, though? Yeah, that's probably a good one. Okay, Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says, if you're not providing for your own family, you're worse off than the pagans. you got to provide, right? And so the first thing you work for is to provide first and then so you can give, right? You have to provide for your own family before you can give. So what does that mean? Well, that means maybe you, maybe you work and then you work another job or you work and you work overtime or something like that so you have enough money to give. Maybe working like one job or whatever is not enough. Or working without overtime, or I don't know. Is, and this, I know you guys don't have jobs. A lot of you don't have jobs yet, but this is for the future. But maybe you work extra so that you can give. Okay, maybe for you guys, I don't know if you guys get paid for like chores and stuff like that, or you have odd jobs or stuff like that. Well, maybe you do extra things of those so you can give to help Sky go on his mission trip. I mean, that's, what, that's a hard thought to think about. But this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, you need to work, obviously, to provide. Okay, that he's assuming that. But work so much so, so hard, with good intent, that you can give to other people. Okay, that is so countercultural to what we think. Yeah. We do limited things and we give all our money to Alan. That's good. That's good. That's working so that you can give. And that's a good example of it. And we need to do that. We need to continue to do that. And when you get old, okay, you need to keep doing that. And you always need to be giving. Okay? I still blue and gold to help make money for FFA. That's good. That's good. Okay? Um, that's good. Okay, so that's what we are to do. Okay, that's what we're to do. So work hard, not only enough to provide, but also to give. Okay, does that make sense to everybody? Okay, yeah. All right, the impact. Okay, I think I ended quicker than last week, so that's good. It's all super easy. Speak truth. Super easy to understand, super hard, right? Uh, but not notice I didn't say speak truth, but speak the truth. Okay, remember to encourage and let your verbiage be saying or talking about the correct worldview. So like, what I mean by that is in your everyday life when you're talking, say, if, you, if you're saying things, just say things that go along with the Bible. If you're saying stuff and you realize, hey, this stuff doesn't really match the Bible, then like, stop saying that stuff. Okay, start saying stuff that always matches Scripture, always matches the truth. Okay, be slow to anger. 
Okay, and don't let that sun go down on your anger. Take care of your anger. Okay, and then work hard to give. Even at your age, you guys can work. Okay, Molly mows tons of lawns in the summer, right? Okay, so yeah, yeah, that's good. Gallon, and we know Gallon doesn't work. Okay, so so you guys work. Okay, but work so that you guys can give. Okay, that's a new mindset. Not not new. Okay, it's not revolutionary or anything. But that's a mindset that we should take on. Work so that we can give. All right, let's pray and we'll play our game. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.